podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons. Another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. And on, we have a guest we've had before, Mr. Brent Grant, Corn Ferry Tour Pro. Brent, what is the good word? Uh, it is beautiful here in Southern California. That's for sure. You know, it's, it's funny because last March, you started the podcast the same way. I was jealous then. I'm jealous now. Dude, I got 20 <laughs> inches of snow dumped on me on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't recommend uh, playing golf in the snow. It's definitely not any fun. No, so I'm, I'm living sure. vicariously through you right now. <laughs> um, so listen, this, this is kind of wild. It's, it's almost nine months to the day since we had you last on the pod um the last podcast with you was march 8th or 9th literally five or six days before the country went into complete lockdown complete quarantine um what have you been up to the last nine months i know it's a loaded question it's a long question but (laughs) what's been going on well uh you know obviously like like everybody else uh we were kind of in lockdown uh you know for a while um Getting getting the season taken away was was obviously a huge hit. Um, so it took probably about three four weeks for me to get fully adjusted uh, to what what is considered the new normal or was then. Uh, and then once we found out that that we would restart at some point, um, I just I just went right back into the gym and and uh, into the into the dungeon as we call it and just got to work and uh, and then we started the season. Uh, didn't have a great return, but uh, learned a lot. And then, uh, and then here we are in the off season, getting ready for the holidays. And I'm just right back into the gym. So, so you you were at uh, Chitty Matcha was the tournament that was canceled. I was actually at the players that week doing media um, on Thursday. They said Friday there was going to be no fans. I thought it was going to be the greatest thing in the world, walking around with the top players, no one else around. And then obviously the PGA Tour shut down. When that occurs, everything underneath that umbrella shuts down as well, including you guys. So you you literally went March 19th at that Chittimaca Championship in Louisiana all the way um, through June 11th, uh, completely canceled and shut down. What's what was your mindset at that time with with having the rug just kind of pulled out underneath you? Well, you know, it's it's tough to, like you said, you know, having having things kind of just hit you out of nowhere, uh, you know. But honestly, I, I just was I just was getting ready for for it to restart again. I, I was hopeful, and 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 you know, obviously, fortunately, we were able to get that done. Uh, we were we were being told that it would be a two three week thing, uh, and then we we we'd be right back to normal. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, we've had a, a lot of unfortunate events happen this year. That would be one of them. Uh, so it was tough. It was, it was definitely a, a mental test an emotional test too. Uh, not, you know, having been playing well and then have it just kind of all stop, uh, was, was a huge, uh, huge hit. But like I said, man, we stayed positive and, and, uh, we were able to restart again and just get right back to work. 
Yeah, so I mean, coming coming into lockdown, coming into quarantine, I mean, you were sitting, you know, top thirty there on the Corn Ferry Tour, and then obviously the tour disappears for six months or so. Um, what's that like when you're so used to just playing week in and week out to having five six months completely off? <laughs> it's it was weird to say the least. I, obviously, this was my first year. Uh, of with full status uh, out there on the corn Ferry tour so it was kind of I guess it was less weird for me than everybody else uh, because I'm sure a lot of the tour veterans that were just simply in the routine already uh, just kind of had it hit them uh, pretty hard but like I said it was my first year so I was able to take it a little bit in stride uh, and then just you know with me and my team and, and we just like I said just was able to get back to work and and uh, kind of had a, a second off season. You know, stacked up on, on a little bit of muscle and, and uh, a lot of knowledge, uh, you know, in and around the course, how to manage myself. And, and so it was good. It was good. It was good to um, to have that break. But again, it, it, I definitely would have preferred to be playing. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's a grind out there week in and week out on tour. So a little bit of break is is nice. But, you know, something that enormous right in the middle of the season when you're kind of, you know, ramping up is is tough. Did you pick up any quarantine habits, any new uh, hobbies or anything along the way during that time? Uh, I probably maybe didn't need to do this, but I, I just started lifting really heavy and I actually really started to enjoy going into the gym. It was less of, it was off, less of a job and more of just enjoyment and, and just throwing some weight around. And, and then obviously, um, you know, really, really taking, uh, what I have and being thankful for it, uh, especially with all the strife going on at the time and that's still going on. Um, so a lot of self-reflection, I think, is, is what I started doing, which has been nice for sure. One of the things I love, the last time we had you on, you had said something. Um, now, I've been in, in fitness for the last, God, 25 plus years, you know, as a as a, mm -hmm. a lifestyle and a profession. But you had said something on the last podcast and you know as someone that's been in it a while i figured well man i know everything there is to know and you had a great line you said if you can afford to be sore be sore and and <laughs> i'm not gonna lie man i've i've stolen that and i i tell my students that i i absolutely love that um did you kind of live by that for the first few months when you knew you were gonna have an extended layoff oh yeah i i, I was in the, i was in the gym every day uh, for two, two and a half hours, just absolutely ripping everything to shreds. Um, my, you know, I, I had a good example. My, my trainer's a power lifter. My brother's a power lifter. Um, you know, my dad worked out really, really hard, uh, all his life. So the whole idea was that, you know, I guess it was my turn to, to just kind of throw myself into the, into the fire and, and, uh, see what we could come out with. And now with, with all that being said, what when you go into the gym in this off season time, okay, whether it's quarantine off season or normal off season, what are you mostly focusing on? I'm assuming compound movements um, in the off season where you can afford to be a little bit sore, you can go a little bit heavier, you don't have to worry about you know um, muscle fatigue and flexibility so much. Is that am I kind of on the right page with that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, nobody really likes having to stretch. Right. So that's something that that's something that I really tried to 
change my mindset on this specific offseason. I didn't really do it uh, during quarantine, obviously, because we were just, you know, knuckle-dragging our way through every day. Um, <laughs> but honestly, man, it, it's been it's been really good. My trainers pretty much kept up with, with what I wanted to do. The body is, has been transforming all year. Um, and so, you know, the whole mindset is just that you go in and, and you pick something to work on and you just, you just work your ass off period. Yeah. Just go in and, and obliterate it basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So now we we've had obviously some kind of major shifts in the golf landscape over the last, let's say 30 years, right? The first shift was Tiger coming in and being this fit individual who, you know, used the workout trailer, used the physio trailer at a, at a time when most other guys, you know, quite honestly, were were drinking till midnight or 1 a.m. and smoking on the course. And and that kind of went by the wayside and, and Tiger's mindset kind of took over. And and now, as of, as of late, as of really late, recently, we've had kind of the Bryson effect, right? Where Bryson goes out and just says, look, I'm going to put on this much weight. That's going to help me hit the ball further. I'm going to destroy the golf course because I'd rather – be 340, 350 out with a wedge in my hand than be 300 or 310 out and have an 8-iron because the stats have shown <laughs> that the strokes gained off the tee is truly the number that matters now, right? Back in the day, it was always strokes gained putting when the mm-hmm. first kind of next-gen stats came out. But now yeah. we see the further you are down the fairway, the better you're going to play. And, and obviously, I mean, you're, you're a bomber. You know, I mean, there's no, there's no way around that. You put it out there. Um, did, did Bryson's kind of breakthrough at Wingfoot or his mindset have any impact on you? Uh, not really, no. I, I, Bryson, uh, you know, I met him a few years ago. I've played with him a couple of times. And, and uh, you know, he, I have an enormous amount of respect for him and his work ethic and the fact that he does things on his own and his own way. Uh, but honestly, you know, I'm not six, two, six, three, uh, and I can't afford to be 240 pounds. So, uh, you know, for me, the whole idea was that getting stronger, getting bigger, uh, had a limit. Uh, there, there are things that my body can't handle. Um, and one of those is to be 200 plus pounds and swinging, absolutely ape crazy every single time to see how hard I can swing it. Um, now, obviously all of us, all of us longer hitters love to see numbers and we love to boost our own egos and, and all that's great. Um, but I can tell you that, that I've won golf tournaments, not because I hit it further than everybody else. Yes, that is an advantage, but you still have to capitalize and you still have to score. Uh, and you don't score with the driver. You score with the putter. Um, that will always be that way. So if you want to win golf tournaments, you have to do everything well. And that, that was shown, obviously, by Dustin uh, at the Masters. Bryson did every, everything well at the U.S. Open, um, you know, and, and, and on and on. I mean, it, the, the, the stats are great, uh, but when it comes time to closing, Tiger Woods was not the best driver of the golf ball uh, and has never really been. He was long. But he did it because his irons and his short game and his putting was the best in the world. And that's you can't dispute that. No, those are phenomenal points. And I think you have to look no further than this year's fall masters that Bryson got beat for two days by Bernhard Langer. 
You know, a man yep. 30 years his senior who was literally 50 yards, 60 yards behind him in the Minimal. fairway. <laughs> yeah, hitting hybrids in. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, so, yeah, you've got to score, you've got to finish. I mean, that's that's the, especially in what you do, right? Like, in your line of work, you you need to close and you need to make scores. Like, for me, for most of the listeners out there, golf is fun. But when you're putting food on the table and, and, and your paycheck consists of, you know, is based off of how you play. I mean, there needs to be an endpoint, And I think driving distance is just a portion of that. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's, there's nobody uh, that's going to, you know, discount what Bryson has done. Um, but a lot of, a lot of what he has done is unique to him and only he's going to be able to do it. Uh, the, the other guys that hit it really, really far. Um, I mean, there are a few guys out on my tour, obviously everybody knows that Dustin and Tony, uh, Finau and, and, you know, all those guys can ramp it if they want to, but they, ref- they don't, they don't, it, 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 there's no, there's, I don't think I've ever watched a highlight of Dustin Johnson swinging out of his shoes on the golf course. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Because they know that that if they're in the fairway, they're going to be 20, 30, 40 yards ahead of everybody already. And if they have a nine iron instead of a six iron, uh, well, that's what they work on all day, every day. So they're going to stuff it to 10 feet. and They're going to make the putt. It's just that simple. So now, obviously, we've got, you know, most of the tour pros and, and, you know, and give me your thought on this. When you're up there and you're hitting the driver off the tee in a tournament, uh, what are we swinging? 85, 90% of kind of everything that's you've got in the tank. It, I mean, it depends. I, I don't, I, it's very rare that I really, really give it the full beans. Um, just because what it takes, uh, is a lot of energy. Um, and so, I mean, I, I've come down the stretch like I did last week. Uh, and I was just having a good time with, with the guys that I was playing with for the first couple rounds. And, and we were just kind of messing around and, and I've, and I've, I'm blessed with the ability to be able to hit it pretty straight. And even when I'm swinging out of my shoes, so I have the confidence to be able to do it, but it's, it's really unnecessary. It's, it's just not, especially because half the time we're playing golf courses that are really soft anyways. So if you just hit it in the fairway, you know, it, and you fly at 320, it's not going to go anywhere. Just flying in an extra 10 yards or 20 yards isn't really going to do much. What's your preference on that? You like courses that are playing a little bit softer, making the fairways play wider, or do you like something that's really running kind of firm and fast? I, golf courses play the best when they're firm and fast. It, there's no, um, it, it's not enjoyable to walk up to the ball and see it covered in mud, or to to know that the fairways, you know, the whole golf course is easier because you know you're not really thinking about the shot that you want to play. You're just kind of hitting it on a line. You're like, oh well, it's going to Velcro stick there, so you know you don't really need to think about it. It's just, it's just not as challenging. I mean, originally golf was, you know, played links link style, right? Which is kind of the way I think most golf courses should play. Um, obviously, with resources nowadays, it's tough to do that, and everybody wants to see the golf course super lush and green. Um, but could you imagine being a 15 handicap or flying at 220 and reaching out there to 250, 260 instead of having it be, you know, only 220 or 230. That'd be, that'd be more enjoyable if I were a 15 handicapper, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope people take credence to those words. I'll give you a great example. I just got back from from Pinehurst and uh, took my buddy D. Lou out there who had never played, really had never played a, a top 100 course, you know, kind of used to our local munis. And I told him, I said, look, man, I said, even though it's December, it's still going to play a lot firmer than what you're used to. Um, and my my mindset as a, you know, semi-decent amateur golfer is again just like you said instead of 240 250 like i would love to be 260 270 i love hitting down on the ball when you play in these sloppy conditions that's tough because the divots that you take are you know like the size of a laptop um (laughs) i love to be able to pinch it against the turf and and we got out to number four and it was it was a little bit wet but obviously in the sand hills that's that's a kind of a misnomer it's still better than most courses we're playing and you know god love him but he got absolutely destroyed out there in those conditions because he's so used to playing courses where the ball lands and then the ball sits and when it lands on a green it's it's like a dart you know it sticks there mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm with you like i feel like the ground game needs to be taken into effect like that's how golf should be played it, it, it's the way it started but we've Americanized it and we've Augustarized it with everything being lush and green. And now we've got to fly the ball everywhere instead of being able to bump and run it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, right. I, you know, I'd be okay. Uh, you know, if most, if most golf courses said, okay, we're going to have a tinge of, a tinge of, you know, light green to, to, you know, slightly yellow in the fairways, but we're going to, you know, we're going to try to keep the greens as healthy as possible. That way, if a tournament does come around, uh, you know, we have the ability and the confidence uh, to, you know, be able to stress the greens. But, oh, sure. You know, it, it, it's 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 really frustrating, uh, you know, when I, I think I've played maybe five or six times this entire year where the golf course was actually running uh, and the, and the greens were relatively firm. Um, it, it's frustrating and I can't imagine, um, you know, I mean, we have holes here at Bear Creek where, you know, if the ball sticks in the fairway, you know, these handicappers aren't even going to get close to the green. Um, so it, it just, it's something that, that needs to change. Um, I think a lot of the resources are spent, you know, trying to make the courses as green and as lush as possible. Like you're saying, Augusta rised it, but, but it's not, um, I bet you if you pulled all the golfers on the planet, they'd tell you, yeah, if we could get some run in the fairways um, and know that if we can bump it around on the greens, like the greens are going to be relatively soft, but the surrounds to the greens and the fairways are firm, which means that, you know, it's, it's consistent. It's not, it's not something that's like, oh, well, we don't know if this is going to bounce up or not because the fringe may plug. Like that's, that's pretty ridiculous. If you're in the, if 75 degrees outside and there's no wind and you're talking about the ball plugging. That's that's a bit much, don't you think? Oh, so true. I mean, we we played. I'm I'm trying to think five rounds down there, and I took out my 60 degree wedge. I think once around the green, and even that was not to open it up. Was to kind of close the face and and, mm-hmm. and bump it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. And again, it's a different form of golf. I'm not sitting here saying that you know a soft golf course is a terrible golf course. Um, you know, but but a great example is like Oakmont uh, when Dustin Johnson won the U.S. Open. 
right? He killed everybody because he was flying it further than everybody else. Those 500-yard par fours were nothing for him because he could fly at 340. Uh, right. Meanwhile, you know, the guys that hit it as far as Corey Pavin can't even reach the green. Well, and the other thing, too, is when you have such a soft golf course, you're literally taking away all the short hitters. You know, when you have a course that's running, guys that really bomb the ball, now they need to make an actual decision off the tee. Like, does it need to be driver here, or should I be hitting three wood, you know, for more control? And if they're hitting three wood, then it's bringing the guys who are on the lower end tier of the driving distance, you know, scheme of things. It it brings them back into it because now they're only 10 yards behind the guy hitting three wood in the fairway. Yeah, perfect example, right? I mean, that's, I mean, could you imagine if, uh, you know, you're standing on the tee on every single hole and you pull driver every single every single par four, par five, because you know that the ball is not going to roll anywhere. I mean, it makes the game pretty easy. I mean, it, it's now again, um, you know, resources wise and, and different ownerships of different courses, you know, can, can make and do whatever they want with the golf course. Um, I'm not tell, not going to tell anybody what to do unless obviously, unless it was my own golf course, but um, it, it's, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to, to really challenge yourself. Um, if you're you're hitting the same club off every single tee and you're not really thinking the shot through, I mean, perfect example is Chambers Bay, right? I mean, those guys literally had to bend the ball against the slope of the fairway to make sure that it didn't roll into a bunker or into the rough. Like right. That's, that's obviously U.S. Open golf, right? But I mean, it, it's it just it's more fun to watch. I mean, for me, anyways, I I don't like watching twenty twenty five under par where the golf ball's spinning back off the greens or or these guys are able to stick it close with a four iron from 250. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And I mean, it, it, and I'll tell you what, that's really an honest thing to say because you play on a tour where 25, 26, 27 under is, is what it's going to take to win on a given week. Yeah. And that's, and that's again, right. I mean, we are, we're getting to places, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe getting to play them, you know, for, for three or four or five years in a row. And then, and then the course really starts to get dialed and, and gets ready for us to be there. But most of the time, if it's like the first or second year, these guys are these, you know, the, the, the on-site managers of, of the course are, you know, are there two or three or four weeks ahead of time. And, and then the course starts to get prepared for us and which is fine. I mean, we're not the PJ tour. We don't bring, you know, huge crowds or, or, or really all that much uh, attention to the golf course. Um, so the investment side of it is like, why would we put a year's worth of work into the golf tournament if the return isn't all that great? Um, sure. You know, obviously for Victoria National or, you know, any of the other playoff events, um, they are going to do that because we're talking about million dollar purses. Um but, you know, a perfect example is I, I grew up playing Wylight where that hosts the Sony Open. Um, and that place is gearing up for the Sony all year long. Um, and that's always been that way. And the membership understands it. And that's why the greens are always a 12 and a half and firm. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not a mystery. We just don't bring the, the same kind of attention to make the course really, really tough. Uh, 
So, but you know, just play better and be on the PGA Tour. It's pretty simple. <laughs> That's it, right? Control it. Um, yep. Not you mentioned the the crowds and not bringing in enormous crowds. How different, if at all, was it for you not having people out there in, in the summer? The, not really different for me. I, okay. I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up I grew up on Oahu, so you know, in Hawaii. So for me, all my family is is usually elsewhere. Um, and it's not like I have this huge name. So just for me specifically, um, I've never really had people, uh, coming out to watch me. So it's, uh, it was, it was kind of whatever. Now it was different, not seeing stands. Um, that was definitely weird. Um, because the grandstands usually create a bit of a, not a claustrophobic effect, but, a but just a, a narrowing of the focus, um, usually when there's stands up. Is it any easier with I, – I have, I have this theory, right, that a ton of people on the course, grandstands being up, set up like a tour event. I feel like if my local Muni was set up that way and, and you know, there were fans three or four deep watching me play, that I'd be two, three strokes better because I wouldn't lose balls. Uh, I, I might be able to ricochet off the – you know, a, 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 a hosel rocket that might go over the green OB now is going into the grandstand and I'm getting a drop. Um, do you notice any difference in the way the course plays for you when it's not set up with the grandstands and fans around as far as scoring goes? Um, the few times that I've seen uh, a relative amount of uh, people lining the fairways or, or like I said, the grandstands, um, you know, it definitely narrows your focus. Uh, I'd say that I'd say that it, it takes a special human being to look at that kind of a situation and go, I absolutely love this. Like this is this is why I play the game. This is why I get up in the morning. Um, you know, and then obviously for most of us, we're we're big show offs. So the idea is that, man, you know, these people are here to watch me and I'm going to give them a show, um, you know, but. Honestly, I mean, like you said, you know, the ball rolling over the back of the green on nine or 18 or whatever it is and, and leaning up against the grandstand and getting a free drop is, is a lot better than, than having to chip short-sided and, or even having to lose the ball or, or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm sure, um, I'm sure it helps. I, I, it definitely helps me. I, I love it. <laughs> now, the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously, we, we talked about off-air that so they just announced their tournament schedule for this coming year, so 2021. Um, give everybody the rundown of how the progression is going to go towards the PGA Tour this year. Because obviously nobody – I'm sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody off of 2020 this year will be getting tour cards, Correct. Nobody received a, a, a tour card from this last year. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going into what the Corn Ferry Tour is basically calling its first wraparound season. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be taking last year's points and then running it right into this year all the way to Victoria National in August, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are... Uh, we were going to have, I think it's 46 events. The team did a great job uh, in, in um, scrounging together what they could last year. It was, it was actually an amazing feat for, for you know, what they did. Um, and then obviously 
this next year we've got uh, I think another 23 events we unfortunately aren't going internationally but but for for obvious reasons that can't happen um, but yeah I mean you know wherever you sit on the on the points list or wherever your your favorite player sits on the point li- points list knows that you should know that that uh, he's he's got a shot to get his tour card this next year and, and nothing that happened uh, this last year is, is going to have a major impact on that that's for sure so uh, February 15th First event, Lecom mm-hmm. Suncoast Classic in in uh, Lakewood Ranch, Florida, at the golf club there. Um, what's what's your mindset starting the new year in January? What does your your season prep look like? Oh, well, it started already. Honestly, uh, you know, we are uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have two pretty good opportunities to Monday qualify for some PJ Tour events. Uh, I'll, I'll be heading down to the Sony one. And then we've got the Torrey Pines, the farmer's insurance open here at Bear Creek, uh, before the season even starts for us. Um, so, you know, I'll use those competitions to kind of, uh, you know, gauge, uh, where I'm at, um, at the time, but uh, until then it's just going to be grinding every day and, and, uh, and just getting ready and just completely diving into and submersing myself into the routine. Any any tournaments on the calendar right now stick out to you as as ones that you're really looking forward to getting back to this year? Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, LeeCom last year. Uh, you know, good friends of mine at Short Par Four uh, head up a, a sponsorship uh, for that event, so it's always it's always good to have a bit of local support for that tournament. But the one I'm really most looking forward to is Omaha. I had a great time last year. Um, you know, it it, it uh, it's the season ender for us. Well, the regular season ender for us this year. Um, you know, they they uh, they blessed us with with some uh, with a good opportunity there. It was uh, it was a great week, and uh, obviously, I love the fact that eleven under won the golf tournament. So, it's uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, that's that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. How um, I guess I want to say how thorough. Um, and have you been pleased with the way that the tour has handled everything with, with COVID testing and all that stuff that you've been through? Uh, to be completely frank, um, there, there are definitely some things that, um, were a learning, uh, opportunity for, for them and us. Um, you know, we started out with, with a little bit of a rocky start, um, just with, with not understanding, how the virus actually works and, and how the testing works. And, and so, sure. it, yeah. So, um, but no, I, overall, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, we, we had a very, very small positive rate uh, through the entire season. Um, I only knew a handful of people that got it and they were from, you know, outside, outside experiences that had nothing to do with the golf tournament. Um, and obviously with, with the fact that the PGA tour, subsidized what they did it's 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 absolutely amazing and and it shows that they care um about you know what they represent and the umbrella that that they kind of are holding um but yeah i I mean i was amazed that the amount of tests that we had every single week and and we really didn't have too many false positives or, or too many issues um where that was concerned um, it was, it was really a great operation and I don't, uh, 
it's yeah i don't envy them for for having to put up with all that because i I don't think i would have been able to do it at all yeah i mean obviously uh, beyond a stressful time now you've got you know 156 guys or whatnot in any given week in in the field and gonna have differences of opinions and stuff and guys that are you know party animals and guys that are homebodies and stuff um are most of the players on tour pretty much keeping it low key after the tournaments, not, you know, going out and socializing in the given towns and, and stuff like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, there were, there were some guys that, that, uh, you know, went out to Jack's beach um, when we were down there before, uh, you know, before that all got shut down. But uh, honestly, I, you know, from what I understand, uh, we had a good solid uh, amount of communication on what needs to be done. Uh, and we pretty much all did it. I, I know for me, um, you know, keeping my mask on, going into restaurants or on the on the airplanes, um, that kind of stuff. I, I don't I definitely don't think we should have to wear a mask, uh, you know, <laughs> if we're if we're all testing negative. I, I don't think that uh, we need to do a whole bunch of extra stuff just for show. I think it's I think it's a bit disingenuous to me, but I understand why you would have to do it um you know you don't want to make it seem like you don't care uh which is understandable um but yeah for the most part the guys did a great job um in in keeping social distancing going and and keeping uh kind of lockdown orders and and like just eating eating to go orders instead of instead of just eating in every single restaurant or going to bars and stuff like that it was a pretty disciplined work i was i was uh really proud to be a part of it yeah, I mean, a lot of it is for the optics, obviously. But, I mean, like you said, the, the positivity rate was very low. It's been very low on the PGA Tour. So it, it shows that it's something along the way is is sinking into people's heads that, you know, it is something that we need to worry about even though we're kind of out here isolated by ourselves, which is which is honestly, you know, it's it, it's pretty awesome to see because there's other – major North American sporting organizations that, you know, are not as lucky, if you will. True. Yeah. And, 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 you know, MLB and, and obviously with, with, uh, I think hockey had some major issues too, football teams, basketball teams. Um, but we've all seen it. I mean, we all know kind of what the game is. Uh, the, the idea that football players and basketball players are, are tested every single day. Um, and, they're they're being forced to they're being forced to to wear masks on the sidelines and stuff like that. It just doesn't. It my thing is is if if it isn't for a reason, if it's just for the optics, um, then it it just doesn't. It's a waste of time. Um, because quite frankly, if if you want to make a big deal about oh my gosh, the football coaches aren't wearing masks on the sidelines, like well neither are the players uh, that just stepped off the field. Uh, and they all tested negative every single day. So there's no point in wearing yeah, a mask. That's, I, 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 yeah, believe me. I, my, my wife is in public health, so I completely understand the severity of this. And, and we have been deep in this for the last nine months. But that's the greatest point ever. I mean, you have these professional football teams where everybody is getting tested daily, including ball boys and you know guys mm-hmm. that are cleaning the locker rooms. But the coaches have to wear the masks on the sidelines, yet the players don't. So uh, again, yeah. I, get the fakeness, the the uh, the faux caring about it, if you will. Um, I mean, that's a whole other point, right? 
Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that they care. I mean, there, there's no, there's no, there's no professional athlete, especially considering, um, you know, where most of them come from. I mean, you know, for, for anybody that comes from a place of, of poverty or understands, uh, you know, what impact COVID has had uh, on a lot of the impoverished people in the country, um, th- then there's not a part of them that goes, oh, well, we just don't need to do this. Like it, it's, it's, I'm sure a lot of them are like, yeah, you know what, we're just going to do it. We're going to get through it. Um, and we're going to show that we give a crap and it's fine. I, I, I definitely, uh, don't disagree with it. Um, but I think it's ridiculous. Like if you're going to say, well, you absolutely have to wear a mask all the time, even if you test the negative, it's, it's, especially when we're talking about the guys, I mean, every single time they talk through the microphone, I'm sure they're pulling their mask down, which is the only time, unless they're sneezing or coughing, that droplets are going to get, <laughs> going to get out into the air anyways. Exactly. It's not, it's again, it's, it's just a, okay, well, if, you know, if, if it's about the optics, then, then that's fine. It is what it is. There's nobody that is going to, you know, say anything about it, but it just seems, it just seems disingenuous because, it's we all know that billions of dollars has been put into making sure these guys are negative. Um, I mean, hell, just look at look at what happened to the Broncos a few weeks ago um, in comparison to the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers game. I mean, we played the Broncos played without a quarterback and <laughs> yep. the, the Steelers and Ravens game got pushed back. What, two or three times? Three times. Yep. OK, well, then if you can't be consistent, then I don't I don't really see you know, what the point is now, the Broncos are probably going to lose to the Saints anyways. And as much as it pains me to say that, because I've been a Denver fan my whole life, but you know, the Saints are the better team. So, um, you know, it's, it's, but it is what it is. I mean, the, again, the optics, the business of it all, they're a private business and they can do whatever they want, you know? So. Yeah. It's all about, you know, turning that capital. Um, yeah. Listen, I've, I've got a, an opinion question for you. Um, when do you think, we're going to be allowed as fans or media to be back on the golf course again. You know, from what I've heard, um, we're going to be looking at this kind of a, a regiment of not regiment, but, but protocol uh, for at least the first six months of the season. Um, you know, obviously in different States uh, they have different rules. I'm sure. Um, you know, if, if Lakewood National decides that, that, you know, hey, you know what, we're going to allow, you know, fans in, uh, they have to wear masks and they have to be socially distanced and they get temperature checked. And everybody is aware of what's going on. Um, you know, there has to be some sort of liability, I'm sure. But, you know, South Dakota, the champion store had fans, uh, you know, when they played there uh, and there were no issues. Um, so it's not, and we've had, We've had fans. It's just been a it's just been a corporate thing where it's it's more controlled, uh, which is which is totally fine. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, my my hope uh, is that sooner than later, uh, I think that I think that um, we as as golfers have understood for a long time now that being outside is a lot better than being inside. Um, and I think that this, I'm sure your wife will tell you, um, if she hasn't already that, that vitamin D is a good thing. So there's, there's no doubt that, uh, it definitely can happen. Uh, it's just whether or not we want to 
we want to allow it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I for one, am jonesing, uh, you know, to be back out, follow you guys, to record some podcasts out there, do some interviews, because it's literally been since the players. I mean, everything, as far as media goes, was was just completely shut down. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that you don't really realize how much you miss it till it's gone. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely took it for granted. You know, well, how many tournaments you've been to? I don't know. I can't even count. I've been to so many. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, what I wouldn't do to be back out there and, and you know, back in the middle of it, you know, back in the heat of things again. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a intoxicating environment. Um, the competitive environment is something that, that charges a lot of us up. Uh, even just being around it, not even having to participate in it. Um, you know, having, having that sort of, uh, human interaction, that sort of, uh, vibe or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is great. And it, and it, it makes people, uh, truly happy. I mean, it, it is a, that is the best, best way to describe it for me. I can't, I can't tell you how many games I've been to, um, you know, at any level or any lifting competition or anything like that, where I walk out of there and my blood's flowing like you know, like a waterfall. It's just, it just feels, feels great. Um, and so hopefully, like I said, um, you know, God willing, we'll, we'll be, we'll be right back where we need to be soon. Um, but, uh, we'll see if the big people up in, uh, up in Washington, up in, you know, all these governors and stuff like that want to, want to let us have uh, a normal life again. Yeah. You know, on the last pod, one of the things that we talked about, which kind of got a little bit cut short due to time was uh, we talked a, a little bit about specialization in sports and how, you know, it's not really a necessity to be a baseball only kid from five years old or a football only kid from five years old. Um, and I thought you had some real good thoughts on that. But one of the things that I didn't even realize until doing a little bit more research before now was you hardly even played D1 golf. In college, yeah, I think I played two individual tournaments. And yeah. so most of your golf was at a D two level. I mean, and, oh. and now we're sitting here with full corn ferry tour status, and you know uh, the ability to enter any tournament um, that you want on the on the KFT. What would, what what's that like for? let's say our high school juniors and seniors out there that are listening, our junior golfers that think I have, you know, I've got to play at Texas or I've got to play at OK state in order to maybe make it to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Well, Dan, I obviously have had a, a different upbringing and a different um, childhood experience, uh, you know, moving around a lot and, and uh, definitely not coming from the normal uh, alum, alumni kind of family um, where going to college is the only way to go. Uh, both my parents um, worked, had worked from a very, very young age um, and, and pretty much just did that uh, their whole lives. Um, and, you know, work ethic and stuff and stuff like that is, is a lot more important than than some piece of paper, uh, in my opinion. Uh, some of the most successful people on the planet and throughout history didn't have a didn't go to college uh, or didn't didn't get a college degree anyways. Um, but as far as golfers are concerned, 
if there's one piece of advice, I don't know how much the junior golfers will, will take this. I hope they take it as far as they can. Um, you have to decide on your own every single day you wake up that it is what you want to do. Uh, it is not, this game is not built for half fastness. It's not built for people that, you know, don't work. Um, if you want to make it to the tour, it's simple. You outwork everybody. It doesn't matter what level it is. If you're on the junior golf level, you outwork everybody and you dominate there. If you want to go to college, go to college and outwork everybody there. And when you turn professional, know that you have people like me that will do everything in our power and in my power anyways, to outwork you. And it's, and it is quite literally a competition every single day I wake up and it's, and you know, so. I mean, I absolutely, I, I love that. I mean, that is like literally my life's mantra. Um, I try to impart that to my students and especially my kids now. Um, you know, we are literally public course golfers, muni course golfers. And, mm -hmm. you know, my son, my oldest son is starting to get pretty good at golf. You know what I mean? He's longer than me off the tee. He's keeping up with me and pretty soon he's, going to be beating me score wise. I mean, the only reason I still win is because I'm wily and I can score, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. you know, he loves to take aggressive lines and just absolutely pound it. And, uh, I'm not going to take that away now, you know, because there's no scar tissue. Um, mm -hmm. but we've seen so many, um, you know, and, and not a knock on them, but country club kids who's only, mm -hmm purpose in life is to go to the course and play golf and there's no responsibility and, and nothing else whatsoever and grades don't count and you know a job doesn't count and this is the only <laughs> thing you have to do and and it's it's so awesome to hear because especially in golf right we always think that the tour pros are, are like that davis love lineage right where you know you're born on sea isle and you don't got to worry about a thing kid just get up play 18 holes a day mm -hmm. you know go to your teacher and, and you'll be fine because dad's got a name and he'll get you in. So for me, I, you know, quite honestly, I've got to thank you for being one of the ones out there that is, is just a embodiment of a true grinder, you know, someone that will get up and, and work their butt off day after day, like you said, to make sure that no one else comes along the line and makes a name off of you or outworks you. Oh yeah, I appreciate that, Dan. But but I can't I can't take any credit for it, man. My my parents and 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 my grandparents and all the people around me, you know, taught me that uh, that work ethic is is uh, and integrity is is you know kind of the way to success. But the 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 raw fact is, um, you know, we know this in life uh, that those that those that are given a lot early. Um, tend to take it for granted uh but i will tell you for sure there there are a lot of people on the pga tour and even on the corn Ferry tour that that were given a lot and are still given a lot but they still work really really hard um and and it's actually it's actually impressive to see somebody that that doesn't look at the money that they have or the money that their family has and says well look at what I get to do. I get to go to the South of France or all this stuff. And we went to Italy last summer. Like, it's not about that. It's about doing the same thing that I do every day um, and just grinding. And, it, and it's actually impressive. And that's why golf is such a amazing game 
because it doesn't matter where you come from. It really only matters how hard you work. And at the end of the day, the score. And that's the only thing that separates, you know, me from me from Drew Love or me from, you know, Charlie Woods or, or, or anything like that is it's score. Um, you know, and, and, and one thing that, that I'm sure you're already teaching your kids is that honestly, if you're a good person and you work hard, you're going to go really, really far. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the absolute truth. You know, I mean, there's, there's nothing I love more than a professional athlete that I can actually root for, you know, that's not only good at their craft, but is a good person off the court or off the course as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a, it's amazing thing, you know, to watch, to brought, to watch, shoot, I've been watching LeBron James for just as long as everybody else has. And, and to see what he's been able to do off the court, um, you know, in his own community. Um, now, obviously, LeBron James was blessed with with some amazing God-given talent. And I'm sure if you ask him, that's exactly where it came from. Um, but his work ethic and all that stuff, uh, you know, came from the people around him and from the fact that, that you know, even even blessed with, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you know, at a very young age and, and, and obviously, you know, incredibly talented there's there's i don't think there's ever been a story about that guy that that is um detrimental to his character uh now obviously whether or not you agree with his political stances is 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 you know up to you but you can't doubt that uh you know he's shown that work ethic and integrity and caring about the people around you is is really the only way to do it um as far as long-term success is concerned where you know, it's more than just a few tournaments here and there or more than a few championships here or there. It's, it's okay, my legacy will last because my kids will carry this on, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with that. You know, Carmelo Anthony was probably given the same God-given talent, but when you look at the work ethic, you know, that he had compared to LeBron, you see where the path starts to diverge, and that yeah. happens all too often in sports. No, it's, but again, it is... It is everything. Tiger Woods is a, is a perfect example of that. You know, he just simply outworked everybody, and that's all he really ever said. I'm better than you because you don't work as hard as I do. Call him cocky, call you what, call him whatever you want, but the man's the be- the greatest golfer of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not cocky if you can back it up. You know, that's exactly right. <laughs> All right, so look, you're in you're in warm, sunny California. I'm gonna let you enjoy your day, but I'm gonna get you out of here with <laughs> with this, okay? Um, I would love to know. Just, and this is personal. I mean, I I love the listeners out there, but I'm I'm taking one personally right here. Um, give me, if you will, two pros and then two cons of life out on the Corn Ferry Tour, because and I'll, I'll tell you where this question stems from. So I've got a lot of friends that have never been to a PGA, a Corn Ferry Tour, even even a small-tier event, you know, like an Outlaw Tour event, which you won last week. Um, and, and I try to implore people as much as I can, I probably sound like a broken record, to go out and, and see what these guys do. Because I'm going to tell you, Brent, that I feel like 10 times the golfer I am after leaving an event because there's just something that, like, through osmosis, I swear... <laughs> sinks in, you know, whether it be practice routine or 
the way you guys carry yourselves in between the ropes, whatever it is, I always play my best golf after attending an event. But a lot of my friends will say, well, I mean, those guys, man, they live like the lap of luxury. Like, you you know, I'd be a good golfer, too, if all I did, you know, was hit balls and focus on golf. I'm like, well, you, you got to stop there, dude. You, you're a 32 handicap. You suck. You probably might be a, <laughs> you might be a 22 handicap, right, if you had that yeah. ability. Yeah. But, you know, if you wouldn't mind, what are, what are two things you love being out there and, then, and two things that maybe are not so great for being out on tour? Well, first off, I, to to anybody that that uh, that believes um, that given the time that they that they could put into golf, know that yes, you will get better. But uh, ten thousand hours is not even beginning uh, to truly truly even get close to mastering golf, uh, and that's something that that um, is always stuck with me. It's you just have to constantly work. But anyways. Uh, two pros. Um, I'm, th- I'm thankful for, for the fact that, that we get to travel week in and week out with, with legitimate implications on our career. Uh, you know, the corn Ferry tour is a great preparation for the PGA tour. Um, before it was, you either got in through Q school or you didn't get in at all. Um, and so, now that there's a legitimate pathway, I think I, you know, I think that's probably the first thing. Um, the second thing, uh, we get to play some pretty, some pretty, pretty nice golf courses. Um, you know, there's no, it's very rare that we come to a place where they just punched the greens last week, or, or I don't think that's ever happened. But it's, uh, it, it, and the tour set, sets them up really great. Um, one of the cons, obviously. Um, we don't live in luxury. Uh, I've never been the type of person that, that uh, has ever really been that way. Um, so I, I suppose the, the percentage of the checks that we get compared to, compared to the PGA Tours is, is definitely a, a bit tough sometimes. Uh, but again, my mantra is always just play better and you don't have to worry about it. Um, and then the final con, the, the, it's something that I really hope would happen will happen in the future. Uh, these guys are really, really good. Um, and they've all got great personalities. Um, you know, we're young, we're, we're, we're incredibly talented. Um, and I would, I would hope that the current level of exposure that we get grows because currently it is a, it is not what it should be. I think, I think our talent, um, deserves to be put on display and I think a lot of people would uh tune in and kind of latch on and know that you know what Dan from leave the pin podcast supports you know for example uh you know Brent Grant and you know when Brent Grant was on the Corn Ferry Tour he was doing podcasts and now you know he's on the PGA Tour and 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 so this isn't you know to put myself up or anything like that but just for an example um and then you follow them uh you know uh Chad Tootin or, or Tom Whitney or, or any of these guys that, that are on the tour currently, on the Corn Ferry tour currently, um, you know, are great people and, and their stories deserve to be put out there. And I think the, the exposure is, is probably uh, lacking for sure. There's a lot of 
younger guys that are in, you know, golf media nowadays. And obviously with quarantine, you know, everybody and their mother has a podcast or is doing Instagram stories and whatever. It's awesome. I mean, because there's room for everybody. But I tell people like back in the day when it was the Nike tour or when it was the Ben Hogan tour that Golf Channel was literally giving hours and hours of coverage per week. Um, you, you used to have, you know, the Euro tour on in the morning and the corn, well, you know, whatever it was at the time, Nike tour, buy.com tour, all those names that it's been under was on like mid afternoon tape delay, but we got to, we got to see you guys and, and we got to get to know you before you went to the PGA tour. So now when a guy won on the PGA tour, it wasn't, Oh, this guy came out of nowhere. It was no, no, no. We, we, I remember him. I saw him in two or three events, and he had a second place in, in, in Florida or something like that. Um, but you're right. It's, it's literally null and void nowadays. And I've got some very good friends that caddy out there. And, you know, to a man, that's one of the biggest pet peeves is there's just no exposure. And I, I wish for, for you guys' sake, for building, you know, yourself as a brand, but just for the level of play that is out there. I think if it got out to the masses, people would just be overwhelmed with how good and how talented the tour is from top to bottom. I agree. No, and I appreciate that. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I already don't watch a lot of golf. Um, so it, it's, you know, it would be cool to, to, to be able to flip on the TV and, and be like, Oh, well, I've, you know, I played that hole and, and this is what I did this week and, and watch that's my buddy, you know, hitting his tee shot there. And it would be cool to, to, you know, have some, have some more people, um, know that we exist and that we are actually, uh, pretty damn good. Yeah. I think pretty damn good is an understatement. And I think that's a, a great way to end it right there, my man, Brent, uh, as always, brother, thank you so much for your time um you know i'll be following along the listeners of the podcast will be following along uh best of luck this year dude thanks bro i appreciate it it's always good to uh always good to talk to you and and uh and get uh and get some more insight and then uh get the word out about what's going on in the corn trade tour thanks man yeah we're not well let's not make it nine months next time <laughs> <laughs> not a problem man call me anytime all right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying. The game of golf is more than a sport. It's a lifestyle. Blue skies, bright sun, the walk, good friends, and the shots that keep you coming back. That is golf. Iconic, vintage, classic. Eagles and Arrows didn't create the look. They've only perfected it. Eagles and Arrows provides the classic American golf look with a modern spin. Hats, gloves, club head covers, and my favorite the Vintage American Carry Bag, are some of the amazing items you can find at eaglesandarrows.com. Follow them on Instagram at eaglesandarrows.co. It's eaglesandarrows.company.co on Instagram. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows.